For the last five years, Reverend Heath Ferguson has been our guest speaker at a fifth and sixth grade event we call Getaway 56. And, and we've done this thing for a good number of years now. And he has just ministered to our children. Now, most of you know that I just love kids, have a passion for kids. And on Wednesday nights in the summer, I go and, and hang out with children, do children's ministry on Wednesday nights. And so we're a little particular about who we let do what with our children. And I'm telling you, he is a wonderful man of God, wonderful preacher of God. And uh, we thought this year it'd be great if he came and shared the morning message with us here at Kirby Church. So I'd like to give you a nice, I'd like for you to give him a nice Kirby welcome, Reverend Heath Ferguson. Would you make him feel welcome? Amen. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you so much for allowing me to be here today. Would you turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 1? Romans chapter 1, thank you uh, for allowing me to be a part of your ministry and uh, to have a great time at Getaway 56. Thank you, Pastor, for allowing me to be here today and to preach in the morning service. Um, I think you have a fantastic team uh, that's working here at this church. Um, some of the most talented staff, uh, some of the, 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 the best at what they do, there is no doubt about that. Uh, I think the, uh, the, the worship team, you do a fantastic job. And uh, we do a lot of travel. We go a lot of different places. And uh, last year, I was in about 160 different churches uh, throughout the course of the year. And uh, this is one of my favorite places to come to in all the country. And I know you're thinking, he probably says that everywhere he goes. Well, that's not true. I only say it about three places I go. And uh, this is one of them. I just don't say anything in the other churches. We just don't uh, say anything about it. But um, there's no doubt about it. I think Brother Don does a fantastic job uh, leading the worship. I have a lot of good friends that do what he does. Uh, but nobody does it as well as he does. And uh, I believe that with all my heart. He's not in here. I, I don't know where he is. Did he disappear? I guess he heard enough at Getaway 56. He, I do have to take uh, issue with some things that he said at the very beginning of the service. He said last week, uh, you got to sleep in an extra hour. And that's a great truth. How many of you enjoyed that last week? Amen? Okay, a few of us did. The rest of you didn't care. Uh, he said... That he lost an hour of sleep this week. Is, that's what he said at the beginning of the service. But I got to tell you, after 9.30, he disappeared. We didn't see him for the rest of the time. So I don't know when he lost that hour, unless he goes to bed at 6.30 every night. I mean, I, I, I'm not sure he's telling the truth in that situation. But we'll let it slide because he's so good at what he does, right? So we're excited about that. Thank you for allowing me to be here. I'm excited about what God has for us today. Romans chapter 1 uh, is where we're going to be this morning. Had a great time at Getaway 56, and appreciate the opportunity to be able to be a part of that event. I want to begin reading in verse number 9. The Bible says, For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers. Look what he says in verse number 10. He used the phrase making request. It literally is talking about begging God, and we'll get to what that means in just a moment. Look at verse number 11. For I long to see you. Look on down, if you would, to verse number 14. I am debtor, both to the Greeks, to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. Look at verse number 15. So as much as in me is, these phrases right here that Paul uses in Romans chapter 1 are words of emotion. Great deal of passion in the words in which he uses right here in this passage. This morning, for just a few, mon for few minutes, I want to preach a message that we've entitled, What Are You Deeply Passionate About? Would you go to the Lord in prayer with me? Father, Lord, we come to you today thanking you for what our hearts have already felt. 
We want to thank you for the, the great job that the worship group does, how the Spirit moves in their lives, and how you use them. Well, Lord, now we're looking into your Word, trying to find out exactly what it is that you have for us. We don't want to miss anything. We want to get it all. So, Lord, challenge our hearts today. Lord, you know how this started in my heart. Lord, I just want to share out of the abundance of my heart what you've spoke to me about. Lord, I pray that I won't be in the way, that your spirit would speak freely, and Lord, you would be with us today. We promise, Lord, we'll give you the praise and glory for everything that happens. We don't want to steal what is not ours to take. So, God, please accept it from us. We love you. We thank you for all that you've done for us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I was reading uh, about the CEO of the company Gillette. They make razors. They uh, make deodorant and all of these kind of things. And the New York Times did an article uh, back in 1992 uh, the years 1991 to 1999, there was a guy by the name of Alfred Zian that was the CEO of Gillette. And the New York Times, in this article they wrote, they said, people who are not passionate need not apply. That was actually the headline of the event, and, or the, the article that they wrote. And they were, they were telling about this one story about this young lady who was tops in her class in business. And everybody knew that she was going to be the next up-and-coming star, and she was the next business superstar. And as she goes into interview with Alfred Zian, and they, they're all anticipating sitting outside the room, when they get done with the interview, they both walk out. And everybody in there is waiting, and they're excited about her being hired on. And they asked him, they said, well, did you hire her? And his response surprised everybody. He said, no. And everybody's, they're, they're perplexed. Well, why didn't you hire the girl? She's the best there is. And he made the statement, she wasn't passionate enough about deodorant. <laughs> a friend, I've been at a fifth and sixth grade retreat for the last two days. I know what it means to be passionate about deodorant. How many of you would like the person beside you to be passionate about deodorant this morning? Can we get an amen? That there's no doubt about it. You know what it means. But see, we don't think in those terms. We don't think in terms of, I can be passionate about deodorant to work for Gillette. But that's how he operated. That's what he thought. And as I'm reading this book, it asks the question, what are you deeply passionate about? And then it qualifies the statement by saying, not what should you be passionate about, but what are you're deeply passionate about. I remember it was August the 7th, 2010. I'm laying in my bed at 1130 at night reading these words. And I close the book and I begin to think about it. And the Lord begins to work on my heart. And my heart gets broken because I start making a list in my mind. Of not the things that I should be passionate about, but the things that I am deeply passionate about. And i got to be honest with you, I was distraught over the truth that I was trying to be as honest with myself as possible. I'm not passionate about all the right things all the time. I grew up in the state of Texas, passionate about the Texas Longhorns. You've got your team, that's fine. I was actually born here just outside of Detroit in Farmington Hills. I'm not necessarily passionate about the Wolverines. I'm, I'm not. I pull for them, you know. How many of you would say you're definitely not passionate about Ohio State? <laughs> Amen. You're passionate about hating them. Isn't that right? Isn't that the way it is, that, that state down south? And, you know, I drove past their stadium on the way up here, and, and I, just, I just don't like them. I just can't help it. You're passionate about it, right? 
Pastor, why does that always get applause? when it, it, They did in the first service, too. I don't know why everybody's clapping. With, because they hate Ohio State. I don't understand. See, we're passionate about those things, aren't we? When the Wolverines or, 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 or whoever your team is that makes the top ten of things that you're passionate about. And, and I understand, and I've got my list too. And as I begin to make that list, I actually went upstairs, and in the late hours of August the 7th and the wee hours of August the 8th, the Lord began to break my heart. And I went to Romans chapter 1 and began to read a little bit about Paul, who I believe to be one of the most passionate people that ever walked the face of the earth for the things that we should be passionate about. But what I want to do this morning is take a look at a few things here in Romans chapter 1 and point out five things that Paul was passionate about that the truth is we ought to be passionate about. I want you to notice with me in verse number 9. He makes a statement there at the beginning where he says, for God is my witness, which is really a great statement. He's, he's almost raising his hand in a courtroom setting and making this statement. What I'm about to tell you, God would say is true. The things that I'm about to share out of my heart, God would tell you that I'm telling you the truth, okay? So I'm trying to add a little more bite to what I'm saying. So God is my witness in what I'm saying right now. He says, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son. Now look what he says. That without ceasing, passionate words, I make mention of you always in my prayers, verse number 10, making request to be begging God. So what should we be passionate about? Well, number one, I think we ought to be passionate about prayer. Paul makes the statement. He said, I, I'm without ceasing. I'm praying for you. And, and I'm making requests, it says in verse number 10. And I love that phrase because it literally means to beg God, to get on your knees and, and, and to beg and to plead for something. Now, if you had breakfast this morning, you probably prayed before you ate breakfast. Am I right? Did you pray before you ate breakfast? I hope you did. But you probably didn't beg God to bless the Cheerios. Have you? Did you? It usually goes like this, Lord, be with food, be with the breakfast, bless it to our bodies, amen. Sometimes I do a lot of travel, the things that I eat, my prayer goes like this, Lord, forgive me for what I'm about to eat, amen. You know, that's the way that it is sometimes. You know it's true, I know it's true. And so you've got this prayer that goes up, and the truth is, be honest with yourself, it's not really all that sincere, is it? It's not really all of that heartfelt of, oh Lord, pour out your spirit on the bowl. It's, that's not, you understand what I'm saying. My wife was pregnant with our second child, and we found out that while she was pregnant, there were some complications, and we were worried about a few things medically, and the doctors said the worst thing that they could say to us, we need to send you to a specialist. In that moment, I learned possibly for the first time in my life what it means to beg God. I was passionate about prayer at that point. See, when you get a phone call like that or you're in a doctor's office like that and you get that kind of a response from a doctor, you know there's nothing more that I can do. I'm totally dependent upon God, and I've got to pour my heart out to him and beg God to take care of this situation for me because I can no longer do anything. That's a different prayer than what we pray for breakfast, amen? But Paul makes the statement right here in these verses. He says, look, I, folks, I want you to understand something. I... I'm passionate about pouring my heart out to God. I'm passionate about prayer. Did you pray for church this morning before you came? Did you beg God to give us a good service? Did you beg God to pour out his spirit on Brother Tom and on your pastor and on those that are teaching Sunday school? Did you beg the Lord to do something great in your life? I'll say, for the most of us, we didn't have that kind of a morning because we are not passionate about prayer. 
The truth is, when I made my list, prayer didn't make the top 10. It probably didn't make the top 10 for most of us that are in here. Why? That's our lifeline to God. Well, to be passionate about prayer. I want you to notice what Paul says, though. He just doesn't leave it with prayer. He makes the statement in verse number 9 that I make mention of you always in my prayers. Verse number 10, making request, if by any means at length I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to do what? To come to you. I want to be where you are. Verse number 11, I love this phrase, for I long to see you. In the original language, it means something much stronger than, ah, I want to come see you. How many of you have ever stolen something? Would you raise your hand? It's not a setup. There's nobody standing around. How many of you have stolen something? Get your hands up high. Be honest and be proud that you're a thief. Goodness gracious. I don't know I've ever been in a service with that high of a percentage of thieves in the church. I'm going to need you to turn to Exodus chapter 20. Thou shalt not steal. It's in the Bible. I'm preaching the wrong message this morning, apparently. It says right there, I long to see you, and it literally means this. I want to be where you are to the extent where it's, it's illegal. I want it that bad that it's not mine, and I just I want to take it. I want to be with you. I want to be where you are. I want to come to see you. Look at what it says in, in verse number 14. He says, I am debtor, both to the Greeks and to the barbarians. He says, look, I have an obligation to people. Look at verse number 13. Now I would not have you ignorant, brethren, that oftentimes I purpose to come unto you. We've got to hurry up. But there was letter to that I might have some fruit among you, even as also among the Jews. That's what he says. He says this. He said, I, I don't want you to misunderstand what I'm saying. He said, I'm passionate about prayer, but it doesn't stop there. I'm passionate about people. We ought to be passionate about the people we run into. And Paul makes the statement, he says, I don't want you to be ignorant. I was planning to come. I was on my way to Rome. I wanted to be where you are. I longed to see you. But he tells us, I kept running into unsaved people along the way. I kept running into people that don't know the Lord Jesus Christ. And I wanted to be with you, but I owe them the gospel too. And so along the way, as I'm running into these people, it's slowing me down. Because I love them, because I care about them, because I'm passionate about the people that I run into. Let me ask you a question. When was the last time that somebody broke your heart because they didn't know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior? To the extent where you were so passionate about it, you had to share the gospel. You had to let them know about church and invite them to come. We go to grocery stores all the time, and the people are there, and we've got about one to two minutes with those people as they check it out and put it in the bag and all of that kind of stuff. Did you ask that guy or that lady to, where do you go to church? We go to Kirby Church. We have some of the best music you'll ever find. We've got one of the best pastors money can buy. We're the best there is. We serve Jesus Christ. They weren't excited about it. Hey, I care enough about you to invite you to church. When was the last time that happened in your life? You say, Brother Heath, it's been a really long time. Let me tell you, I'm not condemning us. I'm saying it's a symptom of not having passion for people. Do we see that? Do we understand that? We all want to say, man, we love the world. We want to reach the world. Let's start right here. Start today. As you go out and you go to lunch, leave a gospel track. Invite somebody to come to church next week. I mean, let's not pretend that we're passionate about people when we're really not. I read of Penn Gillette, not the same Gillette as the Razor guy, but a part of the Penn and Teller comedy team in Vegas. He's an atheist. Matter of fact, both of them are. 
They have this show where they actually do magic and comedy and they make fun of God. They curse a lot. I would encourage you to be really careful before you look these guys up. Penn Gillette, if you were to search his name right now, you're going to come up with foul language and curse words. One of the shows that he's involved with right now actually is a curse word. And, you know, I would, I would really challenge you not to, not to do that if you can help it. But I want to share with you some things that he said. And I wish I had a picture of him to show you if you've never seen him before. But he was talking about being uh, one of his shows— they shake hands afterwards with, with people as they come out, and he's an atheist, and people know that. He said there was a guy standing off to the side in what he calls the hover position, just waiting. It's the kind of people that want to spend a little bit more time with you. It happens in every church and so forth that we go to. If somebody wants to speak to you or whatever, when you're shaking hands on the way out, somebody stands off to the side. Pastor knows about it. Everybody knows about it. And this guy's standing there, and he's got something in his hand, and so Penn is, is just shaking hands with people, and he gets over to where this guy is, and the guy gives him a copy of the New Testament with Psalms in it. And I heard him interviewed on the radio, and then I looked it up on YouTube, and you can actually see this video clip where he begins to talk about this guy. Now, he said people have witnessed to him before. He said, but this situation was the first time that it really shook him to the core, where somebody that witnessed to him really bothered him and where he thought about it for a long time. Now, friend, I want to tell you, I hope that when you share the gospel, it shakes people because, man, it is the greatest story that we can ever tell. It is the most powerful situation we could ever give to somebody, and we'll talk about that in just a moment. But I want to read to you what he says, and you can actually find this on YouTube. Thank the Lord he doesn't curse in this clip. I wasn't going to read it if he did. I, some of you are giggling like I'm going to read the foul language, but if you look this up and find it, he won't curse at you. He said it was really wonderful. He said, I believe that he knew that I was an atheist, but he was not defensive. And he looked me right in the eyes. He makes that statement about three or four times. He then goes on to talk about proselytizing. For you to take your Christian faith and to share that with people who are not saved, that's called proselytizing, trying to win people over to Christianity. And this is what he says. If you don't proselytize, if you as a Christian don't share the gospel, this is what he said. I don't respect that at all. If you believe that there's a heaven and hell, and people could be going to hell or not getting eternal life or whatever. And you think that it's not really worth telling them because it would make it socially awkward or whatever. Just leave me alone. Keep that religion to yourself. He makes this statement. How much do you have to hate somebody not to proselytize? How much do you have to hate somebody to believe that everlasting life is possible and not tell them that? If I believe beyond a shadow of a doubt that a truck was coming at you and you didn't believe it. At some point, I would tackle you. And this is more important than that. It's an atheist. An atheist who I do believe in what he said at least had a better perspective on passion for people than what I have sometimes. He said he didn't respect it at all. And I, when I read that, it really broke my heart because I had to confess to the Lord, Lord, sometimes even the atheists don't respect my effort. And we want to be passionate about people, but we don't, we don't tell them about it. Which takes us to the next thing that Paul says here. Look what the Bible says. Man, these words are so full of passion in verse 15. So as much as in me is, with all that I've got, from the bottom of my feet to the top of my head, with everything I've got, he says, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. I want you to notice thirdly, he was, we ought to be passionate about preaching. Now this word preaching right here literally means to evangelize. 
It includes the idea of what we're doing this morning, standing up here and sharing the truth of the Word of God. But to evangelize the laws, let me ask you this question. Are you passionate enough about people to share the gospel with those people? Do you love your neighbor enough to share the gospel, to preach, to evangelize to those particular people as you go from day to day to day? See, we've got to be passionate about taking this message that God is giving us and give it to somebody else. It's not ours to keep. It's not mine to hoard. Christianity is not just for us that's in this room, but it's our desire. It's our responsibility to take the truth of the Word of God and give that to the outside world. That's why we're still here. That's why God left us here, because he has a plan and a purpose for Christian people to take the truth of the Word of God and say, with everything that's in me, I want to preach. I want to preach. Let me ask you this. Did you pray for the preaching this morning? Did you pray when you got out of bed today that God would do something through the preaching of his Word? Did you pray for that today? See, let's not pretend that we care about evangelizing, and let's not pretend that we care about the preaching when we don't even pour any prayer into it. Again, I'm not trying to hurt our feelings. I feel like it's, a, it's an epidemic that's plaguing churches all over the country. Apathy. We don't care. Churches aren't growing from here to California. I was there four and five weeks ago in California and from Michigan to California and everywhere I've been in between. It's apathy. If we were full of people who were passionate about these things, then there wouldn't be empty seats in churches ever. And you say, Brother Heath, there's a lot of, you know, people in this room today, and there is no doubt about that. But is there room for one more? Can you invite somebody else? Are you passionate about it? Hey, look, man, we're passionate enough to to talk when we're at Getaway 56, and there's no TVs, and we're passionate enough about about our teams that we're looking on our phones to see what the score is of the Michigan game and and Michigan State and even trying to watch the Michigan State-North Carolina game they played out in San Diego on the aircraft carrier, and I was trying to see the Texas score, and, and they lost. Then I was mad. And they lost Saturday afternoon, I still had to preach to those kids one more time, and I was angry. Then I took it out on those sinners. (laughs) You've met them. They're your kids. I mean, they needed it, man. You see the difference in passion? We don't get passionate like that about our church. We get passionate about that, about the preaching. We've got to hurry up. Look with me, if you will, verse number 16. Such a familiar verse. Underlined in folks' Bibles. It's underlined in mine. We just sang about it. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. It is written, the just shall live by faith. I wish we had time to get into all of these things and what all of that means. But for time's sake, we won't do it. But I want you to notice, fourthly, that we got to be passionate about the life-changing power of God. It's what it says right there in verse number 16. He says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Here's the reason why. For it's the power of God and the salvation. He said this, I'm not ashamed to take this gospel message and share it with people. I've got a passion for folks and a a passion to share it. And I'll tell you why. Because I'm passionate about the power of God that changes the lives of every person who believes. Your life might have been a disaster before you came to know Jesus Christ. But the truth is, when you meet Jesus, you meet the only one who has the solution for all of life's needs. I've got a brother who doesn't know the Lord Jesus Christ. 
I believe if he was to die today, he would split hell wide open. And he came to church his whole life. The whole, our whole life growing up, we used to tell people all the time that our parents had a drug problem, that every time the doors were open, they drug us to church. <laughs> 18 years we lived in the same home, went to church as much as I did, and, and our lives are drastically different today. Because I don't think in his life he's genuinely experienced the life-changing power of God. And when, when God has changed your life, and when he's taken you from, from, from one place and, and on a road to hell and put you on the road to heaven, friend, I'm going to tell you, there's something about the power of God that we ought to get excited about. Our homes in America are destroying. Our government is in Iraq, and we have needs all over the country. What we need is to get passionate about the one who can change it all. Why don't we have this passion? And Paul looks at these folks and he says, it's the power of God unto salvation. Look at what he says. To everyone that believeth, all you got to do is believe and you got it. To the Jew first and also the Greek. I love this phrase. Look what it says in verse 17. For there is the righteous of God revealed from faith to faith. And is there in the just to live by faith? You say, what does that mean? We got to hurry up. I don't know what time you get out of church. She's clapping because they need to hurry up. It says the righteous revealed from faith to faith. That means this. I gave my heart and life to Jesus Christ. I believe. I have faith. Have faith in God. I'm supposed to take that faith and give it to somebody else. Say, hey, Pastor Mike, you need to get saved. We need to get saved. Now there's faith to faith. And, and he probably got saved before I did, so it's in reverse order. But anyways, it, we think it's faith. And then we share with this lady, and we share with this guy, and we share with this guy. And all of us are going around taking our faith and giving it to somebody else because they need faith. And, and now we've got faith to faith to faith to faith. And it's going on all over the world because we believe in the passion of the Lord Jesus Christ and what he did for us. And we're passionate about what we can do for him. I want you to notice back with me verse number one as we find the fifth thing here that Paul was passionate about. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated into the gospel of God. Look at verse number three. Concerning his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Fifthly, Paul was passionate, and we ought to be passionate about the person of Jesus Christ. He makes the statement, I am his servant. I am his slave it literally means to be a willing slave. I've willfully decided that I'll serve the Lord Jesus Christ, is what Paul says. The biggest problem with us being passionate about the Lord Jesus Christ is because we are usually passionate about ourselves. I'm the biggest problem that Jesus has in my life. If I wasn't so passionate about me, then there'd be more room to be passionate about Jesus. No, friend, don't, don't be confused. There are some things in life that are really great. I've got a wife and two girls. I hadn't seen them since Tuesday. I'm excited. I'm going to drive home today. I'm going to break the speed limit. Don't follow me. You won't be able to. Because I'm passionate about my family. And nothing wrong with that. You ought to be. My family made the top ten. There's three of them. They ate up three spots. Caitlin, she's five years old, funniest little kid I've ever met in my whole life. We're on our way to kindergarten, taking her to school the other day. And she says to me out of nowhere, Daddy, I'm very disappointed in you. <laughs> I'm five years old. I'm thinking about pulling the car over and spanking her for saying that. You don't say that to me. I said, what's wrong? She said, Daddy, you didn't let me sleep long enough last night. I said, I can fix that. We can go to bed earlier tonight. How about that? Now, my kid's a night owl. She wants to stay up. She makes up situations to get out of bed. Do your kids do this as well? 
That's just how she is, disappointed in me. Funniest kid I've ever met in the history of the world. I have a nine-month-old, Ashlyn. She's about this tall. She's a freeloader. <laughs> Contributes nothing to the home, nothing whatsoever. <laughs> Has no job, no way to make money. It's, it's, it, she's eating me out of house and home. Baby food's expensive, friends. She's disgusting. We wash clothes 18 times a week. Kids are filthy. I know y'all's kids are. I've had most of them over the last six years at Getaway 56. Filthy animals. I love these kids. They made the top 10. My wife, she's very special. Who else would let their husband be gone from home as much and not ever say a word about it? She knows, my girls know, I tell them all the time, when daddy's gone, what's he doing? He's preaching. I'm not just out running around having, you know, goof off time. We're preaching, telling people about Jesus, and my wife never says a word. She calls me to make sure I'm safe on the way home. She used to sit up late at night, you know, wait for me to get home. But when you take these long trips like this, I'll leave as soon as church is over, get home about 1 or 1.30 tomorrow morning. Now she just goes to sleep. <laughs> ah, he'll make it. He's fine. <laughs> I'm passionate about these ladies. I love them. There's nothing wrong with that. And a lot of times, honestly, between you and me, I'm more passionate about my family than I am about Jesus. I just want to confess it to you today. It's true for you, too. There's different things in your life that replace Jesus Christ as number one. They may not inherently be evil, but you're passionate about it more than you are about the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul right here is making a statement to these people in Rome, I'm passionate about Jesus. It's what guided his life. It's what made him different from everybody else was his level of passion for the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you like that today? Are you that passionate? I go to New York City about three times a year. The first time I ever went was about four years ago. Matter of fact, it's four, four years ago next week. Since then, I've been 14 times, and we take these trips to New York, taking high school seniors, and uh, we show them around town and everything. The first time that I ever went, I saw this guy. He was in Times Square, and he was preaching. He was standing on a milk carton, milk crate, not a milk carton. He was standing on a milk crate. He had his Bible opened up to Revelation, and he was preaching, and there'll be a great white throne judgment. He looked a little crazy. His hair was disheveled, you know. His clothes were old and ratty. And he's preaching, and he's screaming, thousands of people. I'm talking about thousands of people. If you've ever been to Times Square, you know what it's like. It's just crowded and crazy, and people walking around, and it was during Thanksgiving time and all that stuff, and there's just tourists everywhere, and he's preaching. And I, I think I even said out loud, that's why people think Christian folks are crazy. I don't want to be one of those guys. I don't want to be one of them crazy people. I just want to live for Jesus. Maybe more quiet than loud. You know, I went back a few more times, saw him every time. Same guy. Matter of fact, had a lady at the end of the first service come to me and said, I went to New York 14 years ago, and I saw the same guy. Apparently, he's been doing it for a long time. I see him, I go in January one year. Now, it's cold here in Michigan. 
So you folks can't appreciate this statement, but it was 17 degrees in Times Square, and the wind was blowing 38 miles an hour. Now, you folks don't know when's it cold and when's it not cold. It was 40 degrees outside yesterday, and there's a guy running around Getaway 56 in shorts, and I'm thinking, goodness gracious. They pass out winter jackets and take out your brain around here. I mean, I don't know what's going on. What on earth? I mean, don't you know that it's cold? Oh, you're going to get pneumonia or whatever. And No, y'all don't care. It gets to be 45 degrees. Everybody's running around in short sleeves and running around in shorts and doing their outdoor games and all that stuff. And it, you're watching football games at 10 degrees with the wind chill at minus 10, and they're not wearing shirts, and they got stuff painted on their chest. And I'm like, what? That's why they think people up north are crazy. You know, I don't want to be that guy. It's 17 degrees outside. The guy's standing on his milk crate. There's not anybody outside because other places other than Michigan, when it's cold, you go inside. And he's standing in Times Square preaching. And I thought, my goodness, what's wrong with this guy? The last time I went, last April, I'm walking down 50th Street near Rockefeller Center, and I pass A-Rod on the street, talk to him, shake his hand, third baseman for the New York Yankees. I know you folks love watching him strike out in the postseason. And that's your favorite thing to do? I think he did that this year to end the series against the Tigers. I shook his hand, talked to him for just a second, walked on a few more feet, and lo and behold, there's a guy standing on a milk cart, milk crate, preaching. He's got his Bible open to the book of Revelation, and he's saying, and there was a great white throne judgment. He's holding a sign that says Jesus saves his Milk crate was beside him. He was standing on the ground just preaching on 50th Street. And I walked up to him and I said, I'm, I'm with you, bro. And he looked at me and he said, God bless you. And I said, I'm praying for you. And as I walked on by him down 50th Street, I said to the Lord, Lord, I want to be more like that guy. He's got something in his heart that I don't have. There's a passion there that I don't have. You say, Brother Heath, if I'm a passionate person, people may think I'm crazy. No, it's just a matter of are you going to be crazy for, for the Lord? You, you want to live for Jesus. You need to be more passionate than you are today. I want to be more like that guy. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to thank you for listening today. Thank you for giving me maybe just a few extra minutes. Thank you so much for that. There's no doubt about it, Jesus Christ was passionate about us. He was passionate enough about us to die on the cross for our sins. Now, I ought to be passionate enough about him to live for him. Maybe somewhere over the last several years, some of your passion has waned. You know more about the Bible today than you've ever known. You've studied more about the Bible today than you've ever studied, but your passion is somewhere else. I want to invite you to do what I had to do and what I have to do on a regular basis, get on my face before God and ask God to do this. Lord, forgive me. Forgive me for my lack of passion. And Lord, help me. Teenager, you will be in school somewhere tomorrow. Be passionate about Jesus. Be passionate about him. You're going to work tomorrow, friend. Look, be passionate about the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you need to come, you need to, 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 to put something on the altar for the Lord Jesus Christ today. I want to make that opportunity available to you. So I'm going to ask you, 
in just a moment. I'm going to pray, and if you need to come, I want to invite you to come. As Brother Don is going to play, and in just a moment he's going to sing, if God has spoken to you, would you come? If we can't be passionate for the Lord here, we got no hope of being passionate for the Lord anywhere else. Father, we need you. We thank you for your passion towards us. We thank you for what you did for us. And Lord, we don't always show it, and I know that.